everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk Sit, the podcast where three dog trainers spanning three generations share all our best tips from our personal experiences and reactions to basically anything dog-related. I'm the Velociraptor trainer boomer of the group, Kim Topher, and every week I'm joined by my Gen X and millennial co-hosts, Lynn Bell and Alice Teal. Hey everybody, welcome to Let's Talk Sit. I'm Alice Teal and I'm here with my co-hosts Kim Topher and Lynn Bell. Today we are talking about comparative psychology and ethology, which is uh, some some long words. So Kim, I'm actually going to hand this over to you. What does that mean? Why do you have to hand it over to me? You get to you get to go over it. I'm, I don't want to introduce this one. I well, told you. Well, you you did the the difficult title. Yeah, but what does it mean? What is comparative what does it psychology? Mean? Oh, you want me to get, actually define the terms? Yeah, I want you to explain what it is. Well, well, why we're have, talking I wanna, about? I want to today. explain our, our original title, which is what was our original title? Dogs are Pigeons, not dogs. Rats and dolphins aren't dogs. That's yep. that's our original our original title. Um, but com- comparative psychology is um, well, it's a branch of of science that. Uh, compare species one to another in their behavior. And a lot of what has been developed for dog training is coming out of comparative psychology. A lot of the BF Skinner, the quadrants, a lot of all that sort of thing comes from um, comparative psychology side of, of school of thought. There's another school of thought, which is ethology. Um, it's also um, a study of behavior, but it's more the behavior in the natural setting behavior of animals in their natural setting. Comparative psychology does a lot of laboratory studies. You know, you think of the, you know, the mice and the maze and that sort of thing and, and, and captive animals in the laboratory setting and that, that kind of study. Um, That's where you get the, you know, the basis for a lot of clicker training and that sort of thing. Um, But the ethology side of things um, is, is the study of animals in their natural their natural world. Um, Both of them contribute to some degree to dog training. Both of them, you know, we have to, we have to take into account uh, both sides. And really at this point, dogs, um, dogs, natural world is our house for the most part, most part. So you can discuss ethology maybe in terms of the dog living in your home. and I do think you need some comparative psychology concepts. But for me personally, and I, I don't know your opinions on this, but this is what we'll be discussing. Um, I kind of feel like they're just a guideline. They're they're not mm-hmm. they're not a roadmap. They're not they're not what you have to do. They're they're just a guideline. I think it gets a little bit like tough because when you're talking about science um dogs are if i'm correct on this dogs are biologically identical to wolves so people are comparing them to wolves and basically comparing the dog in their natural habitat to a wolf in their natural habitat and saying that it's the same thing um which they're really physically well physically yes which is we're not going to get into food or anything here but like their digestive systems are the same 
Um, sure. Because they're, right. they're biologically the same. Right. Um, but behaviorally, you know, a, they're kind of not, they're well, not at all. I mean, you, can, you can't, you can't compare yeah. a pug to a wolf. Like they, yeah. they just can't, they, they can't do the same things. No. Right. And they wouldn't. No. That's I mean, you could maybe point. compare like a Malamute or something to a wolf if you really wanted to, but it's like, like a cat to a tiger. Well, cats, I guess, are less domestic than dogs in a way. But domestication does play such a huge role in this. I mean, the, the dog's natural habitat, I mean, for some dogs who are feral, they do they do create a, a natural, wilder lifestyle. And a feral dog uh, is not the same thing as the dog that's curled up at your feet while you're watching a movie. Now, can some feral dogs be transitioned? Yeah, sure. Um, to some extent, I would to say. To some extent. Um, some, I don't... I don't know too many situations where I've seen a feral dog do like a, I don't know, like a complete golden retriever, like turnaround so that they're, you know, completely different, but they can be, um, they can be helped to, to a large degree. Um, but that domestic dog that lives in our house is a far cry behavior wise is a far cry from a wolf. And that's due to, I this, think even just any, I, I think part of what I think about with this topic is that it's like a lot of the trainers that influenced this science of training, I guess, not, not particular, but, but they, they changed training. Like, okay, let's add in the clicker. These are people that worked with exotics and, and that's, that's fine. I worked with exotics too. Well, but, that's why I thought you'd be a good, you'd, yeah, this would be a good topic for you because you can compare what yeah. it's like to train an exotic versus what it's like to train a dog. Well, the let's, ex- let's pause on that. Um, Lynn, can you, can you expand on your exotic experience just so people who don't know at, you? So I worked at Six Flags in the animal department and I was part of the animals in action show at Six Flags. So we had some exotics there. It wasn't a ton. It wasn't like a zoo or anything. Um, but we did have like, we had um, wolves, we had a coyote, we had birds of prey, we had a bear, we had hoofstock, we had everything down to like rats and rabbits and parrots and blah 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 so we had a bunch of different animals there big variety Um, yeah we had a big variety um we did have handle like the wolves and the coyote in the show um and the birds of prey and those kinds of things um quadamundi like wallaby we just had a bunch of different animals um and, and they had to be handled in the show to an extent the bear was never out of the cage the bear we just had to feed and and rich so so we spent a lot of time even if they weren't being trained for things in the show we spent a lot of time working with them because they were it was enrichment they had to have something to do right um so we did spend a lot of time like that and and at that point we were talking about things like cooperative care um so those were concepts that i was familiar with like 90 this is mid 90s um but you know cooperative care on a wild animal it's um, very different. It, that makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, that you, that, that working with the animal so that it's safe for the animal and safe for the, the person yeah. doing whatever, if it's a blood draw, for example, do we really need that for dogs? No, 
that's the point. That's why I said it was concepts that we worked with so long. So people are like, oh, well, you just don't know about cooperative care. <laughs> yes, I do, for sure. I just Well, don't cooperative see... care in a, in a wild animal is basically, you know, okay, you present the, the, shoulder the for body the part or whatever. Yeah. Um, it, it's, I, I would go, I would say that's not necessarily consent. You've manipulated that animal into doing it. We're not getting into the manipulation <laughs> again. Let's do manipulation again. <laughs> she uh, did that on, on purpose. After that <laughs> I did that on purpose. Um, okay, so you've trained the animal to to give you the shoulder, but is that really consent? I've given you my shoulder, but am I saying go ahead and jab a needle in it? Well, no. The thing is, is that I've just on, on an exotic, it could be doing that. On an exotic, it could be because they could walk away. Because how are you going to force? Try for right. you'd have right. would have to sedate. But what so, I'm saying is you you've trained the animal to present the shoulder over and over and over without doing the procedure. Yeah, right? and then touching it with something else. I, I, I mean, so they're not consenting to a procedure. They're giving you their shoulder for a reward. And then somebody comes along and jabs a needle into it. But in an exotic, well, they would actually like desensitize longer than that but in in an exotic if they didn't offer it what what would they do right they they have, I, I get that like, that so they'd have to do thing. they'd have to do a bigger procedure i'm not saying that i'm just i'm comparing it to this whole consent thing that we've got going on with dogs right now yeah. where you know you've got to do um you know the dog's got to offer their foot for a nail trim and if they pull away you have to honor that and the consent stuff. It, it doesn't, I, because I don't live with a wolf. I don't live with right. a bear. I don't live with, so these animals, we could take our time and you had multiple full-time trainers on the spot mm -hmm. to work with those animals at any given moment. And it might, and, and sometimes the exotics could take years to get things and you would just keep working towards that. Um, and, and I don't live with that. And so sometimes you'll get like, oh, but I trained whales at SeaWorld. Okay, but I don't live with a whale. And you can walk right. away from the whale. The whale lives in an, in a controlled environment. The whale's not control. in your living room. Um, yeah. You don't, you don't have to house train I mean, the whale. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> she wants a whale in her living room. I do. I want a dolphin <laughs> in my living room. So awesome. So they're in a con very controlled environment. And and some of the whale, like I I remember hearing at least a, a friend of mine that had worked like the um whales at or the killer whales at SeaWorld saying dogs are not killer whales. Like we we don't we don't have to live with the killer whale. We can go home at the end of the day and sleep where the dog you might not be able to if you don't train it. Right, so, right. Like you can, you can check out from your job as an as a dolphin trainer and go home right. and go out to dinner and you don't you can go on vacation and nobody has to you know what I mean that that animal is not part of your daily right. life really not like a dog. Well, and and some of those trainers did have a heavy influence in dog training and that's exactly. not a bad thing because we could take from that field and and teach and dogs to do all kinds of amazing behaviors so i'm not anti-behaviorism i just don't see it as the end-all be-all whereas exactly. i think a lot I think of it, the newer I think it may do. have had a little bit too much influence like it was an interesting yeah. training concept that you can take certain elements from and apply to your dog training yes. but to create this 
I don't know, religion almost of dog training around it. Um, and, and, and put more faith into veterinary behaviorists and PhD behaviorists who don't train dogs. The dogs don't live in a Skinnerian box. And that's that they don't Mm -hmm. live in a Skinnerian box. Right. So like literally, you know, can I train a, I've trained a chicken to peck the dot before in my psychology classes, right? Like, um, we've trained animals I've trained rat I've trained a variety of animals to do a Mm -hmm. variety of things but if the chicken doesn't peck the dog it's not going to result in an injury to me if the dog doesn't like does something you know crazy or whatever it could result in an injury to me or it could result in the dog losing its home by the same token, exotic animal trainers. I had a friend that I always swore I would never work large cats, elephants, or or any kind of the um, primates. <laughs> I had too many friends. I had a friend that got um, attacked by a lynx. I had a friend that was like terrified. The elephants had tried to kill her. Um, and I had another friend that was like nearly got her face bit off by a chimp. So like... I'm well, like those so so they can't they are it is dangerous to work with exotics at times because they're still wild but um y- you can they live in a box you know right and you can manipulate them into doing all kinds of things yes you can manipulate their environment in a way to maintain safety with the dogs you can to an extent but they live is part of your family and out in like it's and and with people that don't necessarily know what the heck they're doing well and i i think it's more like like their behavior is is more um universal like we expect them to behave um as i don't know as a dog whatever your picture is of of you know this perfect dog um but they're supposed to interact with your family interact with your friends and hang out around the house if that's the job that they have if they're just strictly a companion they their role is to be um like their their natural habitat is your home and your family yeah um their natural habitat isn't go stick them in a crate and only pull them out when you want to do an experiment yeah and that's that's also considered cruel exactly we consider that cruel with a dog yet that's where most of this stuff is based from yeah from doing that to an animal and and i have like i said i have no problem behaviorism did come in like it helped us for me it helped categorize what i was doing at any given moment and helped me think in wider terms in some ways but it's not i was listening to the podcast it was an ivan balabanov podcast oh that's a surprise i know i love his podcast lynn listening to ivan (laughs) Um, but it was one of the podcasts and I don't remember which one I want to say Perone, but I can't think of who it was. Um, but dog trainers are really stuck in behaviorism. Like that's behaviorism is like the, like the little window and, and the rest of science has expanded well beyond that. Are are you calling behaviorism the comparative psychology description that I, that I gave earlier? Is that the same thing that you're referring to? I think the Skinnerian, so. yeah. He would say, you guys are all locked in on what quadrants you're working on. We're talking about cognition and um well, so many more things. And all That's just such a small part of obtaining a behavior at the beginning 
And I'm not even, I'm not even fully convinced that it's, that it's like the end all be all for dogs. I think it's, it's a theory. That's the whole point. It's a theory. And so people act like it's the end all be all. And it's a theory. There's other theories. How can you then like build a whole training genre slash religion on, on just that? Well, not only a theory, but half a theory or a quarter of a theory. Right. Yeah, but they make it their whole theory. Yeah, it it becomes their whole thing. And they point at studies and they say, look, science. And it's just like, but you're not even you're not even looking at all the science. You're looking at this one small, tiny piece of science that is only about how an organism behaves. You know, what kind of things can you transfer from from species to species if you lock them in a box all day and you make them work for every pellet of food? Yeah. And that's, that's not comparable to what you do with a dog. That's the whole point where we've, they, and they tend to ignore the things like cognition and emotion, all the like other principles that should also come into play. So it's weird though, because I'm not anti quadrant. I understand them. I know like what I'm doing. I don't think this is an anti thing at all. I mean, I think, yes, it's it's a small piece of what a dog trainer should know. Yeah. I think Kim is anti quadrant. I don't like talking about quadrants because too many people fixate. Yeah. And that's the problem is, and especially the newbies, because it's taught as a recipe. So this, how did the trainer dog, here's the recipe. I have talked to you enough to know that you hate the quadrants. I I do. I will say generally, I hate the quadrants. Because it's probably because everybody went crazy over them and you hate anything everybody loves. You know, it's that, that, that thing you said that I was that, you know, if everybody's doing something, I'm going to do the opposite. <laughs> the condition I have. Yep. <laughs> so if everybody's going to go like, oh, wow, we have to do quadrants. I'm going to be like, no, I'm not going to do quadrants. I don't want to do quadrants. I'm not doing I don't like quadrants. the quadrants. quadrants and I'm done. not, I'm so like, it's just, the problem is, is everybody takes a little corner of a piece and expands it and makes it the whole thing. And I'm like, I like the quadrants for this. I like this for that. I And so you kind of have to, Kim, you're the broader picture person. How are you I'm, like? I am the big picture person. Yeah. I'm so I'm not going to like, to me, to me, the it's a corner piece, but I see it as the bigger picture. And positive training and quadrants and comparative psychology that kind of all goes into the same box for me and it's one method it's one tool of dog training yeah and that's what I'm saying all the same of thing. I'm looking at it as a picture and this is one puzzle piece it's mm-hmm. not a bad puzzle piece if I take it no. away I it's... mean I, I still might want to use it but I'm not going to be I don't want to be part of an organization or a or a cult that says you have to uh-huh she accepts to being okay with quadrants are, are you are you making me are you are you making fun of me i said haha you <laughs> use the quadrants you it's a it. piece of the puzzle if we take the piece of puzzle away we still have an incomplete puzzle so it's well, still guess- valuable but it's not the entire picture is not based around this one little puzzle piece i think i, I give kim a lot of crap for the the quadrants and stuff and you know, I give Kim a lot of crap in general. Um, True. But I ask for it. I yeah, just bypass you it. and continue talking. <laughs> yeah. Like, whatever, you guys. But 
I think the the thing is that um, you do have to use the quadrants and every dog trainer uses the quadrants in some way. You, you have like, they're, I mean, you use them every day in just like even parenting. But I don't have but to I don't think about it. it. I don't say, hmm, what should yeah. I do here? Is this a negative reinforcement uh, time or is this a, is this a well, that's what I mean. Is that, is that you don't have to focus on them, but everyone does use them. Everybody ha- it doesn't have to concept. be the only yes. the thing that you're focusing of on. The quadrant. Yes. Not yeah. necessarily though, because well, in order to affect behavior, you have to, but otherwise I can focus on cognition. I can focus on their emotion without necessarily using the quadrants. Yeah, but you can't train a dog to do do things. anything. Yeah, yeah, without it, because it is part of the. But like I said, it's part of a puzzle. I, it's not. I kind of disagree with I think with the that. newbies, the newbies though, tend to like lock in on this quadrant, and I can only use this portion of the quadrant, or I can use that, or I use all of them, or I use three of them, or whatever. And and I'm like, hello, out here, there's like a bajillion other pieces of this one piece of a puzzle. Right. And and that's I think where this idea of like hey guys this isn't you're, you're living in the skinnerian box and we have bigger issues there that that you have to take into consideration as well as things like cognition and emotion you, tell, and you can't tell me what to take into consideration brain, brain <laughs> well quadrants are, are quadrants positive training in general one theory of dog training well, classical it's, conditioning too is, is that all of that. Uh, yeah. Desensitization, counter conditioning, all of those things, their theories, their guidelines, their, their concepts, but they are not at the, at the end of the quadrants, there's not a period where you stop. Yes. It's not, it's, Oh, we have the science. Just, it's one piece of a very, very big complex puzzle. Yes. I don't like it when somebody will say, but the science says, and they're only pointing to this one science in this little corner of the science and ignoring the rest of actual science. Well, I think they, they, they sort of depend a little too heavily on, on science. Well, they'll depend on their whatever. Okay. Because science, science gets funded in funny ways, right? Yeah. I mean, there, there were reasons to fund comparative psychology because largely they wanted to apply it to humans they cannot do a study on dogs you can't have like a hundred neonate puppies to study we well, could well you I could mean, but who's going to fund that well the the thing is is that nobody wants to fund the ethology experiments where you're you know studying i don't know hyenas in the in the african savannah or whatever it, you no, they don't really want they don't really care what they do in their own time and their own world as much now yes we do i mean and people do do that and they do check it out and study it and whatnot but it just doesn't get the attention that something that people feel you can directly apply to humans in this neat little box you know we have this little box and i can say that if you if you poke a rat enough times then they'll get angry well we can apply that to people if you poke them enough times they'll get angry yeah, but no, it's funny we, because we'll also we do that say, experiment, okay, Kim? We, we study. You do that every let's, day. Let's poke Kim. Yeah, let's poke you Kim. guys do that every day. That's true. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> and yeah, but, I maintain my composure. But, I am the anti. It's so funny, though, because resistant. they'll cherry pick. They'll be like, okay, right. um, 
But that's, you can't study wolves because they're not dogs. But we'll study right. mice, and mice are not dogs. Right. We're so dolphins. Not. We're which dolphins. one let's, is it? Let's compare We're dolphins dolph- to dogs. With the exception of the one that Alice keeps in her living room. Um, most people don't have dolphins as pets. No. Most people. But uh, other than yours in your living room dolphin. Mm-hmm. In her virtual background, when she has it. <laughs> but, but I think virtual that's, that's kind of my that's kind of my my thing is just that I'm not anti-science I mean I ethology was one of my favorite courses in in college I yeah, loved ethology I but I was ethology. an ethology girl not a let's let's lock animals in a little cage do mean things to them and then see if we can predict what they're going to think about <laughs> I liked ethology but learning theory was fun because our project trained a chicken and I had already trained chickens so I got to be the famous girl that had already done it so everybody wanted to be my partner <laughs> so you had way more fun. fun I I only got to I got to work with um Bettis our final was training a chicken to peck a dot and it was so fun because and and knowing all those quadrants because I already knew the quadrants by the time you know, I was in college there are super so cool things you can person. you can do with with um you know your basic clicker type training you know there are super cool things you can do and obviously for studio work um oh, i yeah. use that's mostly where i do use any of that kind of training or specific tricks or very detailed work yep then exactly. i find clicker super useful in my day-to-day hangout with my dogs um i'm much more a let's see if we can figure this out together sort of a thing so that we can live in harmony that brings- as opposed what I was going to say that it's more, more importantly, um, in this episode so far, we have gotten Kim to admit that one, she uses the quadrants and two, she uses clickers. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not a hard, <laughs> that it brought up an interesting point. But, see, the thing the is, though, let me defend myself quickly. Uh, it's only one little piece of my very expansive puzzle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Carry on. That brings up another point. Dogs in studio work are. They, they live in they, at least the ones that we had lived in homes like they lived with the trainers however they're still on a set where with the controlled the, the behavior is trained i can control the surroundings we can control i mean obviously we can't always control like everything that's going on set but we can train for it so lassie um, wasn't really hurt all those times she was limping no and and the snow dogs were not like talking to each other and the definitions were not you're shattering wait, all of my what about mr ed was mr ed really talk? talking mr ed oh, wait mr ed like way mr. before ed. you guys there goes my boomer i love showing mr ed again. i mean Lynn, i love also mr boomer. ed and i'm gen x you're also mr ed was hilarious so. you don't know what you're I missing out i do actually my dad it was hysterical i loved mr ed but they so those dogs can be trained that way i trained them we, we you trained them for the behavior and you could train for the contingency but you're also training to them extent. to do something unnatural right and the clickers are great yeah great clickers that. are great for that like all of that stuff but, but but i will tell you that there is probably some normal level if they're living with a normal trainer um there, there's still some level of living with the person so otherwise you want them to live in a box like which one's more cruel so they still have to have some of the general manners type stuff um and 
and you don't necessarily even have that with the dolphins but people see them on the movies and be like wow look at what that dog can do and i'm like yeah that's right. not what you think it is you know right. i was trying to convince my kid she, she watched that amazon commercial with the dog the sad dog and the crate you know the, the <gasps> that horrible amazon yeah. commercial yes that every trainer complained about the dog tears up the house. The owners are looking on the internet for a crate, on Amazon for a crate. And every trainer's like, yes, they're going to promote crates finally. And then the they come home with a new puppy in the crate and bring it to help fix the dog's shredding. Because sure, the that'll help. Now yeah. we have two little monsters yeah. tearing up the house. It's, it's I've never a, seen that. Oh my gosh, it's a miserable commercial for a trainer. Ugh. But my daughter saw and it has this sad music when he's looking out the window and his owners are leaving and oh and she's like almost crying and I'm like, you know that that's a dog actor. Like this isn't really actually but the poor dog, I'm like, it's a dog actor. This is not really happening, McKay. Like it's not a thing. And I, I was one like, of those kids that every Lassie over. movie, I mean like actual real life tears and i'm a pretty i'm a pretty tough person but dog movies would always That's get me too. and i'd be like oh lassie died oh look at her i saw her body go down the river <laughs> i have a buddy who refuses to watch any movies if there's dog actors in them you you don't watch dog movies that no no no. i have is... a buddy oh you have a buddy oh see now i watch them all the time for just the acting portions like oh how'd they make the dog do that I like to see what sequences they did and and I I like to see what sequences they did and what and like okay how did they train that and then where's the trainer I love I I love to like where's the trainer what signals are they using what I and Mm -hmm. I'm and I did it so I know usually where they are but I still like nobody will watch the dog movies with me because I'm sitting there picking apart how they trained it and where the trainer is still get me though else is like oh but the dog is dying and i'm like no there's a trainer standing right there <laughs> look at where the eye line is <laughs> so so like but but those are again it's in a trained environment you can kind of control the set if you you know to an extent or train for the set i can't train for like some neighbor dog running up on my dog like that's i i can train for it but i can't yeah so neighbor dogs have been the bane of my existence for the last couple of months yeah, I had a I had a husky run up on a puppy that I was working with in public the other day. And the awesome. husky came running up and pinned the puppy, and I'm like, and I'm standing there, no, no collar, no owner, no owner, no collar, and the dog's hackling. So I'm like, do I grab the dog? Like I, you know, I grabbed a leash and started swinging it, and he took off. Luckily, but come on, people. So I can't train for those contingencies that just suddenly happen because i don't live in a scenario box and that's the right. point well we have yes, to have the exactly. tools our dogs, we have to have the tools outside of just our dogs box. have to be a little bit more individual free thinkers they can't just be sitting there looking for uh, us to supply an answer to every single one of the problems that they may come up with especially when they live in our house they need I to guess, do certain things on their own i guess like, let us advice, know when you gotta pee that that's like one of those yeah. things we kind of require yeah, you got to tell it. You can't just go. I guess our advice to newbies on this would be study the theories and take them into consideration. And they are a big portion of consideration, but it's not the only thing. So look at wide, the wider picture so that you don't just sit and focus on one puzzle piece and miss the rest of the beautiful puzzle that is dog. Well, can you give some more ideas for other things to study? 
Well, yeah. ethology is a good is a good idea. Yeah. Um, but but definitely go back and read some of the um, the the non positive based training books and look for some gems. Not saying that everything there is going to be um, perfect or ideal. Especially it depends on how far back you go. Some of the older older stuff that you're going to see things that are just like, well, that makes no sense. Um, and that's fine. You can discount that. It's just like, like I'm saying, you can discount some of this and not necessarily call it the end all be all of dog training. You don't have to say every old textbook on training dogs is the end all be all either. Um, that's the whole point. But, we have to but pick broaden pieces. your view. Talk yes. to a lot of people. Talk to people that train differently than you. Watch videos. I'm interested in the neuropsychology too. Like What's how that? they're I'm interested in the neuropsych stuff too. Like how the brain works, what the how their like hormones affect them, how brain pieces part. You know, so there's added those biology. There's just other areas to focus on as well as just that one little puzzle piece. And, and I think my my favorite, like that's your kind of your one of your areas that you're really into yeah. one of my areas that I'm really into is um naturally occurring groups or families of dogs and how they choose to interact and teach one another yeah that's like that's one of my too. favorite I I've been doing that for years and years with my own dogs and with other people who have um multiple dogs and then they you know maybe introduce a new dog and you kind of watch that that process um, I really, really enjoy that, that, and that's not, I don't know that there's a science necessarily. I think ethology is the closest thing you could get to that because it's really about letting natural behavior occur, but, yeah. you know, certainly supervising to make sure nobody really gets hurt, but I think I'm not, a- I'm not micromanaging the, the supervision. I'm not all over them saying you have to do this and then you have to do that. And then you have to do this. I like to watch them develop. And it tells me a lot about the intelligence and kind of the social intelligence of the dogs. I have some dogs who are very smart, but very dumb when it comes to interactions with other dogs, even their own family. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of fun to sit and watch them develop and grow and change. And um, I'm sort of into that stuff. I'm wondering like, where does, I don't even know, like I can't put anything in a box, uh, you know, me and my labels and boxes, but um, like I'm interested, obviously right now, my main focus thing is like how play affects the dogs and their emotions and, and cognition is coming into a lot of play, like how, how they actually think versus like, I have to manipulate, <laughs> manipulate, kill you're me. manipulating, <laughs> Manip- Why are you manipulating <laughs> poodle's going to kill me here. Y'all are just manipulative <laughs> as heck. But, but I, I, I want to like, I want my dog as my, my partner, not right. as so, so well, if it's your partner, then you're not going to gonna manipulate them. No, but his ability yeah. to, oh, come on. Everybody own, manipulates their partner. Yes. But, but. Oh, his, except for Alice. <laughs> oh, you guys in there chomping. You're but the one who started ability, this. I know his ability to be able to think on his own is so interesting to me compared to like, well, how can yeah. I like. 
use positive, like how I, I can use this quadrant to get this and blah, blah, blah. No, I want to know what he's actually thinking so that we work together on this. Right. And, and then start and, manipulating him and then you can see what he's thinking. That's the point though, but that's kind of it. All I manipulation's don't, not bad. No, I still want to get, I still need to get a behavior, but I want to be able to see how I think I'm all of, I'm getting interested in this training in, in emotion um, thing. I want my dog training in a specific, and I want their emotions in the right place while they're training. So those are all areas that are not affected by this canary in box. Well, it's hard so to read your dog when you pieces. don't, when you don't know what they're really thinking and how do you know what they're really thinking if you're directing every movement? Yeah, be, with the ABCs. Well, this yep. happened, then I do this, and these are the consequences. Yep. If I'm locking, if I'm too, um, what do you call that word? Like in a lab coat, I'm too um, clinical. Yes, thank you. Well, it's it's like I was working with with Holly to not run away from me every time I ask her if she wants to go outside. It's been her usual thing. If I go outside, then you're going to put me back in my crate after I go outside. And it's just like, that's not necessarily true, but okay. So we, we work through that for her to choose to come to me and then go to the door was, was becoming a bit of a, of, of a thing, but I needed for her to do that on her own without me making the demand. I needed to know where her head was at. So what's yeah. the difference between that and cooperative care? Cooperative care isn't a bad thing, but it's a piece of a thing. Cooperative care is over there saying, I consent to you, in this case, opening the door so I can go outside to go to the bathroom. Um, see, and I see it as a teeny again, a little, like, I don't, like, it's not a bad thing to give my dog some of a choice when I can it's not a bad thing but it's they've taken it a little piece of the puzzle and again expanded it into this huge like thing taking it out of context and fail to recognize the rest of every like there's other pieces so I, I like to use use the description mostly in line with um cutting nails cutting nails just has to be done yeah some stuff so so you can you can I don't know, go through the process of having them give you their paw and all that sort of thing. And I do that anyway. I call that just desensitizing to the clippers. I don't call it cooperative care. It's so we, we work on just, you know, give me your paw. Here's the clippers. See, I'm going to make them move without touching your nails. I'm going to take a little piece off your nail and give you lots of treats. I'm going to do all those things. I know what I'm doing. I'm manipulating that dog into putting up with an uncomfortable, oh, she's triggered again with a manipulation thing. I'm, I'm, I'm working with that dog to put up with an uncomfortable situation. I know it's not the most comfortable thing in the world to have your nails trimmed and to sit there quietly while you get it done. I'm as going through that as a process. Doing I, the cooperative a, care where they say, oh, if I pull my nails back, you have to stop. So I've been doing my nails, need- my own nails and um, Jesse's nails lately. And I have a, a nail drill, like an e-file thing. Um, uh-huh. And you know what? Jesse will do that. He'll pull his hands away. And I'm like, I don't even let sorry pull her foot away. Like, I'm going to take your butt. We don't do crop- cooperative well, care. With yeah, you don't partner. do cooperative care with Jesse's nails. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you give me your hand right now. <laughs> Get over here. I'm working. <laughs> I see it because like there's areas where I, I mean, I partly why I was known in my 
previous training areas that I give choices to the extent possible. So like, it's not really, I guess, so it's like, okay, I did the exercise was based on what Ivan again because he influenced oh my, my God, training here we go with Ivan I again. know I influenced my training a lot um so the dog get there like I there's somebody over here with food and I'm standing over here with food and I let my dog go check that out and realize hmm, they're not going to give me the food they have food but they're not going to give it to me if I look back to mom I'll get rewarded for that so I'm rewarding the dog for making the choice that I want Right. But he gets the choice. I'm not going to go like the old school would have been like, if he looked at the person over there, what would happen? No, correct. Right. right. Like I would just, right. correct. I'll like, no, you can make that choice. It's just not a rewarding choice. It's way more rewarding to do this one. So these right. are concepts that are, are good in training. Like I'll let my dogs mm -hmm. make the right decisions and get heavily rewarded for choosing the right, the decision that I need them to do. But, but that doesn't mean I make that my entire picture like the big screen, right? It's, it's not the entire. And so, so they take concepts that are good and twist them into something insane. Well, I, I think they just take them too far. It's like, yeah, as if that's the, the only thing we focus on is it's like, it's, it's a small doing my dog's nails is a small part of their day week. Yeah. Really? I mean, they don't, they don't get them done all the time. Um, but when they get them done, they have to be cool about it. You know, I'm not going to sit there and tolerate them fooling around and yanking their feet away because they just would rather do something else. It's like, no, that's not cool. We, we need to get this over with so that we can move on to the fun stuff. So stop horsing around. Now I'm not, I'm not beating them. I'm not forcing them. I'm not doing any of that, but we go through the process of teaching them to just stand still so we can get this done. And then we move on, but I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that I have their consent to do yeah. it. It's, it's that concept. It's the same concept that we were dealing with, with the exotics, only they applied it and they made it crazy. Right. <laughs> so, well, and even so with the exotics, bad you didn't have their just, consent. You didn't no. have consent. Well, they That's could crazy. walk away, but, but, well, but even if they did, it didn't They affect... could walk away and not get their treats for doing the training portion of it. Yeah. So, I mean, is that a choice? Mm. But when they come over expecting to get a treat for leaning up against the bars with their shoulder, they didn't consent to the shot. They would train for that, but but they didn't that, consent to the shot. They no, just consented. Not understanding to, I'm going to give you my shot. shoulder, and you're going to give me a treat. They consented to that transaction. Well, it's so funny. Lynn already went on when when you played that, a desensitized trip. to it. Well, I had, the funny thing is, is I've had people say, you know, I'm like, I, I don't, I know how to train the dog to do that. I know how to train them to go over or not. It's, this isn't a thing that I don't know about the, right. the concept, but I've had these trainers come up and be trying to teach me this new concept that I'm like, yeah, it's not a new concept. Um, and then they're like, but, but they do it with a bear. They do it with this. They do it with that animal. And I'm That's like, amazing. Uh, yeah. I, we, I mean, if, if you're this. a groomer, you have to do the same thing. Yeah. You have it's, to do the same thing. It doesn't affect what I do because I don't live with them in a box. We right. are, they are not, what is the, the title of episode? They're not dolphins. Pigeons. pigeons, rats or dolphins. Rats or dolphins. Yeah. Thank you. So 
that's my piece on this. Okay. Well, have, do have we have we anything else this to one to death? I think yeah. we have. Yeah, that's it. Um, well, thank you guys for listening. Um, again, I'm Alice Steele, Kim Topher, Lynn Bell. Uh, join our Facebook group. Sometimes we uh, have conversations in there too. It's Let's Talk Sit on Facebook. And again, thank you all for listening. See you next week.